Hello, and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where two friends intellectualize the greatest show of all time. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And we are obsessive fans who very thankfully found each other. You know, your friendship is something I never expected at this point in my life, and I couldn't have asked for a better surprise. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about something very important to both of us, mm-hmm. um, and I think also very important to a lot of people, and that is the Golden Girls. Absolutely. Um, important to the world, really. Very. It's crazy. Mm. Like, I mean, I feel like we both have said this uh, for various episodes and topics, but really ahead of its time on so many different things. Absolutely. There's an immigration episode. (laughs) (laughs) There's immigration. There is marriage equality. There's racism. There is, oh my gosh, there is a... you know drug the, like the, addiction yeah, um, absolutely yeah, addictions there's uh like gun ownership but we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves of course yes we really are <laughs> um <laughs> yeah well so i think also it's a good time to note that we're not just regular golden girls fans <laughs> <laughs> we're super fans um, I mean, that, I, that part should at least be slightly obvious because we're doing a podcast about them. But I guess uh, that's but, true. But yeah, why don't you uh, explain a little bit about sort of how we met and how we came upon this topic? Sure. Well, so I think that um, I remember watching it when it was on, but I was pretty, pretty young. And then I feel like I really got into it when it was on lifetime um it would air at 6 and six thirty and 11 and eleven thirty. and <laughs> yep. I can remember staying up late with my brother and waiting for it to come on so I you know like I've had a super strong attachment to it forever and um I think it just came up one day and you you were like oh I'm I really love the golden girls and I was like yeah but I really love the golden girls <laughs> and you know thought it was one of those like somebody's saw it on at their aunt's house or you know somebody who like yeah, I, 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 a casual fan. <laughs> I remember we were uh, walking to a bar, uh, a bar in Hell's Kitchen that gives away a free terrible hot dog with every single terrible beer that they sell. Um, and we were in the back patio that actually, uh, you know, allowed smoking, but it was such a small back patio and like a chimney of a back <laughs> backyard that it you just basically everyone was smoking, even if they weren't. It's no lanai. Um, <laughs> it's no lanai. It's very true. Do you remember what we, I, I mean, where, what, how did it come up? Did one of us quote it? I actually don't remember. I want to say there was um, maybe some somebody quoted it or something, but I do remember then everyone um, pulling up the mental floss quiz of like how much you actually <laughs> know about the Golden Girls, and we kept going back and forth. Um, but I also remember the line that you referenced when you were like, "I don't know if you're as into it as I am," and it was, you know, what it is. I, I was it complete this phrase. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Better late than. <laughs> pregnant (laughs) i don't know why that happened to be actually no i I do remember why that happened to be my test it came to be my test of like a true golden girls fan or at least somebody deep deep in the cuts um my freshman year of college so so similar to you like i grew up watching it you know in the 80s with my grandmother 
Um, and then also on reruns and Lifetime and at high, in high school and when I'd be home for breaks and college. And of course, you know, like you said, the timing worked out perfectly to watch it before dinner and at late at night. Um, <laughs> so you got the double dose. Um, and I do remember watching it so much that one time I had the TV muted and my mom was saying something to me and talking to me. And I had like half attention as a teenager <laughs> and laughed. And she's like, what? How the hell are you laughing? I was like, well, I know what the joke was. And she was like, you're psychotic. Um, but I remember I picked the better late than pregnant because that was the test that my freshman year of college, I was on like some freshman orientation trip, you know, where you go to the Bronx Zoo. Uh, and, like everybody meet new people and become friends as if it wasn't like easy to do that in New York. But um, as a college student. <laughs> But uh, one of the guys running the trip, again, somehow the topic of the Golden Girls came up. I said I was a big fan. He said, yeah, right, which always comes up in these scenarios. Crazy. And he <laughs> tested me with a better late than pregnant, which was great. Um, so I think I, I stole that from him uh, ever since, which is Yeah. <laughs> it's wild, the thread of, like, distrust. I feel like that runs <laughs> among fans because it's like the second somebody says they like it, you're like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, uh, I, th- I think you mentioned this before it's having a moment now it's having a resurgence and like any piece of sort of like intellectual property or some sort of cultural element that you feel an actual emotional connection to and that you quote unquote have loved it before it was cool um it you know you're always somewhat defensive when when new people come on board and and, uh that's happened countless times you know i'm sure to both of us where people say like oh yeah i'm a big fan and they're just like oh i don't know that song or that album (laughs) or this whatever and you're like well you're not a big fan (laughs) yeah no i've certainly i've definitely found myself in recent years to like meeting a friend of a friend or somebody casually and i will throw something out and they don't they don't know it or something and they're like oh and then I find that I'm being more apologetic because I don't <laughs> want to be the person who's like I like this show from the 80s before you did <laughs> I know <laughs> but it's true but it's uh you know it's it's interesting it's this it's kind of this snobbishness but it comes from at least for me it comes from a place like I said before it's an emotional connection like it it really the current of that show the like the feeling I get that um, when I'm immersed in this world and these characters and the writing and the things they talk about, and like you said, how progressive they were in talking about societal issues. Everything's really wrapped up in various stages of my life because I obviously started watching it when I was really little with my grandmother and, and currently watch it today and I'm 36. So, you know, it's it's a thread throughout my life that I really it's not just about with your I daughter, think that movie's also, funny. That's, yes. Oh, that's that's, that's true. Generational. That's very true. My uh, my three month old daughter uh, just watched The Golden Girls with me for the first time the other day. Um, wow, I love it. Every, everybody really wanted to know what her who her favorite character was, and I said she hasn't. Uh, you know, she hasn't had a chance to develop it. We only watched the pilot. She has to take the the personality quiz first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like this is sort of what you were saying too. It, it's also interesting because I think it's a, both of our comfort shows in a lot of ways, and and definitely mm-hmm. whenever like. I'm feeling nervous or sad or, you know, anything. It is always what I would put on because I could watch it so mindlessly and, and the attachment was so easy. But, like, but similar to your story about how the TV was on you, like, I will laugh before the line gets delivered. It's so <laughs> – it, and when you're watching with other people, I think that's, like, terribly annoying. But I know. It's, 
it is what it is like it's but again just... i think that's why our friendship in with regards to this our friendship is very satisfying in many regards of yes, course of lauren course. but i mean with <laughs> specifically with respect to this shared passion for the show i think that's another bonus because we can't annoy each other by watching the show and saying a lot. right like and we might no as well else. do the script yeah exactly <laughs> no one else though i do remember when uh you had told me right after we had our hilarious, you know, trying to one up each other on uh, third party people <laughs> looking at trivia on the internet, and neither of us actually being able to top one another and deciding to call it a draw. Crazy and then that we friends left forever that far with any friends. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is very strange. Maybe we rewrote history and the two of us left alone. Um, but uh, I remember the next day you said, you know, for real though, my mom is really glad I found you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, honestly. I feel like now, like. She knows you for many other things, but for a while, I'd be like, you know, my friend who likes the Golden Girls, and she would, like, connect right away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so on that, we both recently rewatched a couple of the episodes, and um, the first episode, obviously, is, is the one where we started. Um, <laughs> and I realized that, like, so when I was watching it, I sat down with the intention to, to like, rewatch. I, I, I think you put it as the first time in a while, or for it, perhaps forever that you've watched it as a scholar yes i did i did call myself a scholar <laughs> a scholarly viewing um i do think it's interesting because again as a comfort show i mean i remember watching this when i broke my elbow on a cross-country bicycle trip i watched this after my grandmother died I, you know like i i just watch it and and then those are two extreme examples of comfort but then just in general like something that you where you don't really necessarily want to pay attention but it's, you know, rewatching a show like this is, you know what you're going to get and you know you're going to get that warm feeling. You know you're going to be immersed in this world. You know it's going to make you laugh. You know it's going to make you laugh even before the lines are actually delivered, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I also think it was interesting. I even found it difficult sometimes and to remind myself to watch it as a scholar. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would sort of drift because I knew what was coming, um, which is kind of a weird thing. You know, I think it's also part and parcel of like, you know, I have a freaking cell phone in my hand as I'm watching television these days. And I'd right. be like, just focus on one thing. <laughs> so hard. You know? So it is very hard. And it's funny. So, but yeah, but so the engagement, you know, see, uh, season one, episode one, the pilot. Season um, one. Which is fascinating. And also just as a note, I think we, we uh, decided that, at least for this podcast, you know, if if anyone besides, you know, our mothers are listening to this podcast. Hey, mom. Um, we are ready. Yeah. Hi, Darsh. Um, we, um, we already kind of assume that you have either, you know, watched the Golden Girls before or probably if we're going to go episode by episode, no promises. But, uh, you know, you've watched the episode before, so there's no need for any sort of retelling of the plot truly no um, excuse at this time also <laughs> yeah that's very true very true so i don't know so what what were your thoughts as far as you know the pilot pilots are always a little bit off oh um, yeah definitely. From the rest of the series uh, yeah very, they're sometimes a lot of it off <laughs> um well so just to sort of get this out of the way like yes coco's there coco leaves whatever <laughs> it's fine i think it was like a um i assume he was there to sort of be the kind of like the foil to all of their personalities but i think that when sophia shows up there's just like completely no need yeah i think that was actually the reason um she was supposed to just pop in and out and then all of a sudden they were like whoa she takes the show and actually i paid attention to the fact that coco doesn't actually have that many lines. no he's very it's crazy that there's like there's like justice for coco people out there like he's fine <laughs> um yeah i to jump ahead i i think one of the 
my favorite lines, which also he doesn't get again, he's he's not the funniest and he never will be. Whereas Sophia takes over as arguably one of the funniest, you know, uh, line deliverers in the entire series. But um, the part where uh... <laughs> I think I'm laughing at what I think you're going to say. <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> where Rose is talking about Charlie in the present tense and Dorothy, of course, just goes, Rose, Charlie is dead. And he just goes, why? Tell yeah, me? So good. And so you think that's funny, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. And again, this show is so good at doing this where you're like, okay, like here's the setup and here's the punchline, but then it goes a little extra further. And of course the actual funny punchline of that entire exchange is Dorothy saying, sure, set a place at the table. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my absolute favorite. Um, okay. So yeah. So Coco, fine, yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of He's different- cute. The fancy yeah. man. The fancy fine. man. The okay petunia. Yeah, he said, okay, that's <laughs> um, But, so sort of just, like, getting, so you kind of talked about this, but I do think the timing is a little bit off. Um, mm-hmm. But Rose, I think Betty White, like, hits it right away. Like, she is yeah. good at being, like, sort of ditzy. I think the problem is, like, with the others responding to her, they just, like, haven't quite, you know, like, yeah. figured out the stride yet. But I did, like, write down that I thought she sort of got it um, right away. Um, yeah, and she she actually often is the setup to a lot of jokes in the series. So it, it's, in a sense, easier than, like you said, the response to the jokes or just, like, coming out, like, guns ablaze. And, like, what I – I've actually noticed this before. I've watched this as a scholarly viewer this time. <laughs> but when I rewatched the pilot in the first, like, literally sub two minutes, like, the first scene where Dorothy comes home from work and Coco's cooking in the kitchen, she has eight jokes i counted them wow jokes in that sub two minutes and it's too much you know it's a little like it's i i mean just for everybody you know for all you viewers out there uh (laughs) listeners out there dorothy's my hands down my favorite character mostly because i actually personally relate to her but also because i just think she fits in really well and she's just like got this world weight to her that also makes her extremely funny um but also a very relatable character uh, and she's less of a caricature, I think, than all of the other three. But we can we can go into this yeah. later episode. Sorry, I'm getting ahead. <laughs> she's of definitely but, true, though. But that's why I think it's it's so interesting that it's like oh zing 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 zing. It reminded me of like Aaron Sorkin writing yeah, or like Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, yes. which I just I cannot take. I agree. I can't do <laughs> that. That's much. the thing about it. It's crazy that you just pointed that out because that's what I always say that I don't like about Gilmore Girls. It's like quip yeah. quip quip quip. Like that's not oh, real. My gosh. Exactly. Um, and luckily that only happened in the very beginning of the pilot. And honestly, it fades throughout the rest of the series. Like they really figured it out. Um, you know, B. Arthur figured it out. I think, I think to your earlier point where Betty White just hits the nail on the head with Rose immediately. I feel like Sophia's a little too haggard. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit more in, in looks, but also just in her being. Um, Dorothy's too, she's too grumbly and too gruff and also like too like, ah, complain, ah, complain, you know, that kind of thing. And I think Blanche is too demure. I don't think she's sassy and sparky enough, especially because, you know, she's the focus of this episode of being sort of, you know, she's not in control of this relationship she has. Yeah. Um, in the same way that the Blanche Devereaux character evolves into. Yeah, I totally see that. And I also think that she doesn't, there's no mention of like, her past as like somebody who got around for a few episodes. So I think that, I think she had, yeah. you know, like the Southern bell thing, but I don't think it was as like, as um yeah, like sort of like in her control until later. Right. 
And I actually think I noted, too, that, um, you know, part of, you know, Sophia is always sassing her for, you know, being a slut, being, you know, slut puppy, etc., harlot, whatever. <laughs> um, she actually, in this episode, you know, she says, you look like a prostitute, yeah. like straight to Blanche. <laughs> but Blanche laughs. It's funny because it's like she doesn't give her sort of that dagger look or a little bit of sass. Like sometimes Blanche does give the sass of like, oh, you. Yeah. But this time she just she just actually throws her eyebrows up and laughs like oh i didn't expect you to say that and then it goes on that whole ridiculous plot of like oh the part of her brain you know with the stroke and you're like you don't need to make an excuse for a really funny old lady but uh anyway yeah because they gotta lay for that eventually i know yeah exactly i'm really happy um, but so speaking they're still ladies <laughs> right exactly so just really like on the character development um we both sort of independently saw that Dorothy's like general attitude about the student she's teaching is not very like in line with who I feel like she actually was. Like it was oh, very yeah. like NIMBY of her, like baby boomer, <laughs> Democrat, but not quite as evolved on like, you know, every social issue. Very NIMBY. I love it. I love it. She actually, yeah, she has these moments. I mean, it comes back. I feel like where her more conservative streak comes out with like, her well <laughs> what we could talk about the second episode where she you know she's bummed about uh dennis not being a, an actual doctor and being a podiatrist <laughs> yeah, or you know her son michael uh marrying an older woman uh, you know, yeah etc cetera, et cetera. but but yeah it's it comes in again it's the same exact scene that she mentions it in the very very beginning comes in super hot where she's talking about you know a bald girl with a nose ring and that the students were too ugly to look at <laughs> And you're like, okay, slow your roll there. So, yeah, again, they're they're ironing at the edges, but it's it's pretty solid for a pilot that, um, you know, really uh, most pilots, I think, uh, not most pilots, but many pilots do have to even be reshot because there are, you know, like different characters, sort of like Coco, but like different places or like different um, just set design, things like that. And while the set is obviously a little bit different. Um, you get like this wide angle view yes. of the living room, which is so bizarre. And obviously the Lanai and Blanche's bedroom are in this different places, um, that kind of thing. But I think for the most part, it like it stays pretty solid, which is why it could just kind of flow into the next episode. Yeah. And I think also even now it's obviously still significant. Um, but at the time, like having four older women as characters and not as sort of like, funny side grandmother characters, you know, like as the main right. thing um, that was mm -hmm. so big. And that's another thing, like they address it straight head on. Like Dorothy has this whole thing about how she, you know, is talking to these young women and she feels totally normal. And mm -hmm. then she like sees that she's older. And I feel like right. that was so, I mean, aging in general is not something we super put on TV. <laughs> Even now. Oh, of course. Even now. Exactly. I, that's funny that you, you mentioned the Dorothy one, because the one that really stands out for me is the, the Rose speech, you know, the anchor. Like, you don't, we don't go through everything we go through to be oh, left, yeah. up, left alone. Um, and that one, you know, it really, that one is so funny to think about. You know, you can ask of, like, why we related to this so hard when we were so young. And even now, we're in our 30s. We're not. Um, but I think, you know, it, it is it's so relatable where you're actually thinking about as a young person getting to that point in your life where you're like, yes, I, I do want to find a partner or, you know, I do uh, want to have a family perhaps or something. And it's like or at least you can see other people progressing through that. And you're in the, the end goal is to make sure that you have companionship through your life and to think about where she, she say, you know, she says the kids leave and our husbands die. 
right? And it's like, you don't think about older women like that having roommates. And it's just, it was like you said, it was just such a, a different type of show, a different type of display of old age, even though they're only, you know, in their 50s and 60s, not quite. Yeah, old, but, but and, and also um, like, yeah. I think that one thing that I love about the show actually is that it redefines family because for a lot of people you know chosen family is all you have or it's the main thing that you have Mm -hmm. um and so I think that there was that element but also I I wrote for later episodes like Blanche has a really complicated relationship with her family with all of them with Mm -hmm. her siblings and her parents and her children and all that and I feel like to even have something like that like it's a complicated relationship which is very much you know, I think that's very much a thing. Yeah. And I think for me too, when I was younger, that reminds me of like another reason I really related to this, even just not even thinking about the path ahead in life, whether it might work out in the, you know, way of uh, these women or not, um, that, you know, it was focused on something other than uh, a sexual relationship. And it was focused on, you know, friendship. And like you said, chosen family that you could really build a life at any time in your life um, to quote unquote, start over or start from scratch or find companionship. I mean, you know, if we skyrocket ahead seven seasons, like obviously Dorothy uh, alludes to this in the very, very last lines of the show of how she never expected this uh, this time in her life. And I think that that was even, you know, even when I was a kid, I could totally, it really was, it was heartening in that, okay, well, life can take you in many directions, but there's always still time to, you know, to, create a friendship and sustain it and then the other my only other like sort of big takeaway from the first episode is that I feel like they mention a lot of storylines that become full episodes later on um like there's like the fear so they um there's things like one point Dorothy checks Sophia's breath with the mirror which of course you know comes (laughs) up in my favorite episode maybe of all time in season seven oh absolutely um, there's like the <laughs> you never know <laughs> That's so great. um but yeah like fear of unemployment i think there's that like rose talks about like where she's gonna live because blanche is thinking mm-hmm. of kicking them out and then sophia goes to the dog track with the fancy man um which oh, is yeah. sort of a running thing and also does eventually become its own episode um so right? yeah there were so many of those that, were, that was like i was like oh my gosh and even just the idea of a wedding or the promise at the end where they say even if they all get married like they're still going to stay together as friends you know as chosen family um or even just uh i mean <laughs> cops coming to the door i feel like there's so many yeah, cops i know this, in this series Hello, man. It's so <laughs> fascinating you know um or just like i also um really appreciated uh the you know you must be blanche's sister you must be blind <laughs> i feel like there's also a lot, a lot of people trying to compliment Sophia by saying something completely ridiculous like that um, numerous <laughs> times over the series and she just kills him dead. Um, I also love uh, the <laughs> speaking of hearkening to other episodes, there's a future episode where the girls are all just siding um, where they want to go on vacation and of course Dorothy wants to go back to New York and they're both like oh my god forget <laughs> it like especially Blanche well Blanche says she goes we're going to New York for the honeymoon I just hope I don't get murdered <laughs> and it's just again I kind of going back to what I was saying earlier about the Blanche character is that you know like she's just being completely led by the dude which is like not usually like her she's usually in control of whatever dude relationship she's in most of the time um, so I feel like she would absolutely be like oh he wants like we're going wherever we I want to go we're going to this island we're going to this or like it seems Joe Harry says we're going to New York you know I just hope I don't get murdered (laughs) 
Um, two other uh, big highlights uh, for me is uh, <laughs> what I remember watching when I was a kid and being completely confounded, particularly since I didn't understand about like urinary incontinence <laughs> is that um, Rose is saying she stops all liquids at noon. <laughs> and I was like, okay even if you're a grandma and you go to bed at seven which is like not what's happening in this series as i can tell as young sarah um that's insane like what are you talking about you stop all liquids at noon you're definitely <laughs> drinking water with your cheesecake at 2 a.m but um and the other part is uh <laughs> dorothy talking about grief and of course she goes through you know the irish the italians oh, yeah. the jews and then she says it's these southern protestants who make it a way of life <laughs> It's just fabulous. It's a great, it's a great cadence that B. Arthur, as, as usual, nails. And in the next one, episode two, perfect teaser. Um, I think that you really get to see like how B. Arthur played Dorothy seriously, like the um, so like everything besides the humor, which I really feel like is all I ever associate with her. But you know, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Yeah, no, she be she's a, she's a whole person, and again, like that's why I think I really relate to her, and she's been. She's been wronged a lot in life. Um, and it, again, it doesn't come totally clear, you know, that these three women and of course now four women, you find out why Sophia ends up there because, you know, the retirement home <laughs> burnt down with the, the hearts that only beat it. Wasn't sad to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they all come from different circumstances. Um, you know, of they're, of, obviously two of them are widows, but, you know, Blanche and Rose are in a very, very different scenario. Um, so it's exciting to, to learn more. Um, and I just want to say one more thing about uh, kind of hearkening back to what we were saying earlier about the scholarly viewing or the comfort viewing. Um, but there actually is, uh, I looked this up because I tend to have this obviously more with the Golden Girls than anything else, but any other cultural element of like TV or movies or even books in a certain way of rewatching or like reconsuming. And I looked it up and there actually is, you know, like a scientific explanation for why it is so comforting. And it's because you sort of subconsciously or consciously, if you're, I guess, if you're watching it as a scholar <laughs> of your life, um, you re, uh, you sort of remarcate uh, where you are at in life because the thing you're watching stays consistent the entire time. So you're sort of relating it as the new person that you happen to be, whether it's week to week, year to year, you know, decade to decade. Um, and it's still, you know, if you're if you're watching something that's so comforting, you have sort of that subtext of yes i know what i'm going to get from this i know these different feelings but certain pieces of it are going to land differently because you're a different person you know you've grown in various ways outside of the golden girls so watching it again you find you know different things to relate to or different things that stand out um and i think that's great and i think it's fascinating because i personally hope to be watching this when i turn these girls ages um and it'll be fascinating to see well one life is going to look very different than 1985 but but uh, in terms of retirement or if that exists um but um but still just having you know uh, comparing my current feelings as me of the future to you know what i know yeah. and love so that's well. so interesting and it does make so much sense because i definitely feel like i can it's sort of like um, um you know like it exposes you it just puts you in a place i think if you see like a particular absolutely. episode especially absolutely all right you have anything else on the first one no i just think i'm very excited to to share this moment with you and our three other listeners <laughs> um, yeah hey michelle and, uh... hey dennis <laughs> <laughs> 
And if oh, that's right, four. Our yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let's let's call it five. Our our mothers are partners in my daughter. Yeah, right? that's all we need, really. Um, so yes, but I'm uh, you know, I like your mother. I'm I'm very glad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. All righty. Take care, everybody.